Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thank you for joining me for another opportunity to have an interesting, profound, uplifting, transforming conversation, because that's what The Love Code is really all about. It's here to provide you with mind-expanding concepts and thoughts and experiences, allowing us to really explore the immense possibilities of who we are and what we're capable of. I love doing this show. It's just an opportunity to really reconnect with the truth of who we are, that we have a power to transform our lives, to heal ourselves, to heal any situation we're in, to connect to a place where we tap into the soul that we are, the love that we are. And that's really what this life is all about, is to help us to reconnect, remember who we are, and live a life where we experience joy, health, well-being, and service to humanity. So, as always, now I have a wonderful guest here with me today, and we're going to be exploring the body memory process, discovering your childhood vows, with my wonderful guest, Kathy Stone. And um, I want to say a little bit about Kathy. So, Kathy retired in 2020 after 36 years of distinguished service to the Department of Defense and following the death of her beloved husband, David Stone, created the body memory process. Kathy deeply learned the body memory process during her 25 years with David, hoping to author and edit Escaping the Labyrinth, the first book describing the power of discovering and releasing childhood vows. After her retirement, Kathy began continuing David's work full-time to make the body memory process easily and widely accessible. Kathy is creator of the multimedia course, Discover Your Childhood Vows, Change Your Life, and is currently writing a book. So um, if you want to know more right now about Kathy's work, you can go to bodymemoryprocess.com. That's bodymemoryprocess.com is her website. And it's my pleasure to welcome Kathy to the show today. So, Kathy, it's so good to have you, and thank you for being on the Love Coat. Thank you. It is so great to be here. Uh, you, you have such an amazing story. I mean, first of all, I, I can't imagine what it was like to be 36 years in the Department of Defense. What did you do there? <laughs> Well, you know, how long do we have? I think we could talk for hours because um, I was in a, uh, yes, but it was a type of job that really it was, um, you know, a lot of it's not really, I can't talk about, of course, the details of what I did, but I can say that um, I was in a type of, um, in, in a type of work that I, that took me in various um, locations and it, it was always sort of changing. I, I never got bored with it. Um, it was easy to do 36 years because it, it was, it's every few years I would change assignments and and it felt like I was actually sort of in a new job. Um, I spent uh, uh, time in three different war zones, um, so that was that was really interesting. Um, the the longest uh, was in uh, uh, Afghanistan, and that was when my daughter was two actually. So uh, that wasn't really easy. Um, but we got through it largely because of FaceTime. So, um, you know, you know, thank goodness for that because I know that uh, military families 
uh, especially in time before we had technology, uh, they were really separated and they couldn't see their loved ones. So I was very thankful that I, I had that opportunity. Um, but yes, it was, um, it was, it was all about, um, you know, just service to our, our beautiful country. And I, I think that I, I, uh, I got all the more, um, Sort of convinced that I had I had taken on the right uh, job after 9/11. Uh, it, I always knew the work was important, and then um, then I realized that really how important it is, um, and so I enjoyed every minute of it. Wow! So you had all these top secret locations and jobs, and obviously you can't talk about it. So I would consider. It. <laughs> wow. well, my husband and I. My husband used to say. Because, uh, you know, he worked with clients, and that was confidential. And, and he used to say, well, you know, we both have client confidentiality. We can't really talk about our work, um, even though he could talk about the work, just not name names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, uh, it, you know, uh, I always like to ask my guests their journeys. What was it about their you know, experience of life that brought them to the place where they had really found their work. So, so out of curiosity, um, you know, this work is so profound, and it's you know, it's 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 spiritual, it's emotional healing, it has its impacts, of course, with the body. How did this? How did you arrive at doing this work? Was this was this an awakening that you had about the spiritual dimension of life? Or is it something you you know you came in with uh, knowing? Oh well, so it was actually David, you know, my late husband, who created the body memory process, and he has quite a story, and I I'll be glad to share it. Uh, when he was 14 years old, um, it was actually back in uh, 1961. So so he was 14 years older than me. I was actually coming into this world. And having my own struggle, um, my own birth story was a struggle, right about the same time that he was pronounced dead from double staph pneumonia. And uh, he had a near-death experience. He came back knowing that he had something to contribute to this world. And it didn't take long for him to figure out sort of what the nature of it was because doctors kept telling him, that he was never going to truly be healthy. He was never going to truly be well. That he, the cilia in his lungs were damaged um, from the disease. And so he would never be able to breathe really well and, and play sports and be really active. And, you know, he railed against that, you know, knowing his personality. He just didn't like being told that by anybody, you know. So uh, he, he, uh, he went through college and then pretty much stepped out of college into the human potential movement uh, back in the, um, I guess this was back in the 70s, 80s. And a lot, a lot of awakening going on, uh, a lot of trainings um, for, uh, you know, personal growth. And he took every training he could. He read very widely. He had uh, teachers and he traveled and found teachers. And so when he pulled together the body memory process, you know, it was really, it was fueled by his, his mission to discover wellness and then, of course, informed very widely by um, all, all of his studies. And so three, there's really three major underpinnings 
uh, for for the work. Three three major. There's other other things. Is there's you know Ayurveda. The body is an uh, as an energy system folds in as well. But really, three basic things. One is that we uh, the uh, we create you know our beliefs help shape our reality. So we we have beliefs uh, that we create, and then you know we we believe them, and we send our lives off in just proving that we're that they're true. The uh, the second thing is the body mind connection, which you're very familiar with. Um, you know, very very important um, to understanding this work is. Uh, and, and especially, um, you know, confirmed by uh, Dr. Candace Pert uh, when she discovered uh, what in her book she calls molecules of emotion. And so that integration of mind and body, when she realized that uh, neuropeptides actually have receptors all over the body, uh, in the blood, in the organs, in, in the muscles, you know, everywhere. And so she is quoted as saying deep trauma can put down deep roots uh, in the body. The, the third area that really contributed, uh, that really struck um, David as important, is the consciousness of babies and young children. And so the, he, he read uh, um, uh, David Chamberlain, uh, who wrote um, The Mind of Your Newborn Baby, um, and, and Babies Remember Birth, and you know, there's um, a lot of work that's been done out there talking about uh, how how babies are conscious and how connected they are to mom. Um, and so he, he pulls, you know, a lot of things together and uh, said, okay, you know, we, uh, we, by the time we're seven years old, we've largely decided how I am, how they are, and how life is. And if anybody has listened to uh, Bruce Lipton, he talks about uh, children uh, from basically from the womb until seven, being in the theta state of uh, the brainwave state of theta, and so he says that's the that's the creative state, that's that's uh, imagination. He also refers to it as hypnosis, and he says that if you, uh, his method of reaching you know what happened back in those years is actually through um, hypnosis again, which is largely available these days through tapes and 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 whatnot. Um, to be able to get yourself back into that state that we were constantly in when we were deciding how to be in the world. So children are egocentric. Everybody who has a child knows that, you know, it's all about me. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, before I had this call, I had a daughter who it was life and death that, you know, <laughs> something happened to her computer and it didn't matter that mom had something to do, you know, is so, uh, I think she's beyond that age, but you know, maybe eventually she'll get out of the egocentric stage. Uh, but you know, largely until seven, it's about how am I going to get love? Because I think children just know, hey, I'm you know I'm little and I got to figure out you know how to how to do this and how to navigate this world. And so that's when we form our core beliefs, and then we we carry these beliefs into adulthood. And we don't even remember what we decided because it's in our subconscious. Now, Dr. Candace Pertz, through her research, she said, I, I am declaring that your body, for all intents and purposes, is your subconscious mind. I've heard, I've heard others talk about the body as a messenger between the subconscious and the conscious 
But if you think about it, if the subconscious is pretty much unavailable and your body is where you figure out what's going on, then yes, so you can say, okay, the body is essentially the subconscious mind, and the body is what's going to help me figure out, you know, what's going on, you know, that that all that part of the iceberg that's submerged to say, you know, why why is this happening to me again? Um, Dr. Michael Rice wrote a book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And he talked about this, uh, you know, these beliefs that, you know, these, that this is, these are habits, these are patterns that we set up for ourselves. And they're often uh, just, we're, you know, we are blind to them, but people around us often can see them. Well, there's a, a lot in what you just said. Um, I, um, I I, I want to just go back to um, the experience that David had. So it's, so at the age of 14, he's 14 years older than you, right? And at the age of 14, he had this near-death experience, which yeah. revealed to him more about the reality, the true reality, and that he had a purpose. That That's you know, that's so young for someone to be given that awareness, right, that there's more to life, that he is here for a purpose, and um, that he had, you know, that he had this mission to fulfill, uh, which is, uh, you know, so many people wander around so many years looking for who they are, what's their purpose, and to be given that message and that assignment so early in life is, is quite profound yes it is and he was uh so motivated um i i I listened to him i loved his stories about about growing up um and just you know being an eagle scout and it seemed like you know his whole life was about mission um he spent some time as a um, as an emt and you know he did a lot a lot of things he i called him my renaissance man because he did he did so much and I think the, as, as the doctors were telling him that he didn't have a lot more to live because his lungs were surely going to give out, um, I think that, you know, he was just like, nope, that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, and so, uh, you know, he, you know, he eventually got ill and it was, you know, it was sort of an indirect way was related to, uh, what had happened, um, because it stressed his heart. I mean, after all, all those years, um, he had to cough every now and then in order to really move because he didn't have his cilia functioning normally. Um, so it, it, it eventually kind of caught up with him. Um, but, you know, he lived, he lived a long, you know, very, you know, amazing life before, you know, before it was, you know, time for him to, you know, to go home. Um, so, uh, yes, just really an amazing man. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it you know, he, Transitioning, people leaving is always hard. But I have a belief system, which people may not agree with, but I have a belief system that we choose when we come and we choose when we go. And um, we're here to, first of all, make the most of it. It sounds like so much of his work was done. He put it together, created it, and worked with people for so long and then passed it on to you and others that are training. And... um, and, and here it is, you know. Here it's available for us. All the all the difficult processes he went through to pull it all together is here. Available. Yes, um, yes. He he collected. There's almost a thousand vows that we have collected to be able to provide the body map 
um, just amazing um, just to look through and see all of the all of the the, the ways that we we create this as children and you know the wording of um, and I, I don't know if I've explained this yet uh, David termed them vows that's vows b o w s because sometimes it's you know <laughs> it's hard to understand yeah. that word <laughs> um, but he he said you know it's so sometimes I use belief interchangeably because a lot of times people can relate to that more but there's the wording of some of these vows is actually I will or I won't. And, uh, you know, I always think of uh, uh, Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind saying, you know, if God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again. You know, that's that's a vow. You know, that's a very strong uh, statement uh, about survival. And, you know, that's that's what goes on in that in that early in those early years. Now, I want to make another point, um, which is important, and I want to make sure that I don't forget to say this. Uh, a lot of times we talk about childhood trauma, and that's a big, that's a big piece of this. Um, so, you know, unfortunately the statistics are high. I think it's around 60% of adults say that they had either some type of trauma, abuse, or, you know, some family issues that they needed to deal with when they were, um, when they were children. Um, and so, you know, trauma is very much a big part of uh, coming up with these conclusions that are often about our very identity and, uh, you know, the bad messages that, you know, children can get about, you know, just, you know, I'm a failure, you know, I can't do anything right. And a lot of these self, you know, this defeatist uh, type, type of um, decisions that are made. But this is the point I want to make sure that, uh, everyone understands is that it can also be about a very positive event. The key is that it's about the emotion and anything. So that's that's a big connection there. When you see a lot of things out there talking about emotions, uh, very very uh, very powerful, very very important. So I'm sitting on my daddy's knee. Say I'm I'm three years old and I can't get my dad's attention very often, and I'm just loving it that I'd have his total attention, and he says to me, you know, you will always be my good little girl. And somewhere inside of myself, I'm like, yep, I got it. That's the way that I get daddy's attention is I be his good little girl. And so now I have the vow, I'll always be your good little girl. And then, well, you know, okay, I grow up, and, you know, maybe I don't even see dad anymore. But... I have a boss who brings up, you know, daddy for me, you know, it's a powerful male. And every time I try to talk to him about something important, maybe I, you know, you know, a collapse into giggles or something that's uh, like a little girl behavior and everyone else sees it. And, but I don't see it uh, because, you know, it's, it's something that's just unconscious to me. So that's just one example. Um, and, you know, David had a lot of these and, you know, he said that there were what people might think would be, okay, why is that so bad? That's got to be a good, maybe that's a good vow. I'll always be happy. But what about when you're not? Because life isn't, we're not always happy in life. Sometimes we need to grieve. Uh, sometimes we need to process things. And it's unhealthy for us to try to push through and put on a happy face when we really need to, to work on what's going on underneath. 
And so David would say that no vow is a good vow when it dictates behavior from the subconscious when, you know, we really, what's truly being at in power in our lives is being in choice in the moment. Well, you know, uh, we, we're living in a time where the, there's so many uh, processes and books written about, first of all, trauma. Trauma is a really hot topic right now, to be honest. I just see it mm-hmm. in summits and people talking about trauma and clearing trauma. And, and personally, uh, I believe most of us come in with trauma. And if it's not um, trauma in the womb, because of the situation that her mother may be in or what she's dealing with or her emotional state or the environment that she's in, then it may be birth. (laughs) Then it's it's after birth, and then all the programmings we get uh, those first seven years because because our parents carry their wounds and their traumas, and that gets communicated. So it's really the process of being in this three-dimensional world and finding the tools to take us out of those programmings, which on some level, Kathy, I would say we chose to really find ourselves again. Does that, does that, does that sound too nanu-nanu? I, I, I absolutely uh, agree, um, and I like the way you talk about it as it be, uh, being choice. Because I personally believe, you know, as well that you know this is a this is a big you know classroom here called called Earth, and so yes, that you know we we choose these um, experiences. We you know we're born into you know the family, the parents, the the situation that's going to to have us grow um, in the way that we need to. So yes, and uh, I'll add another one in there. Even before. Um, the womb, or I guess it would be sort of like at the very beginning, is conception. And some people are like, it's hard to get the, their 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 minds around this, but um, we have cl- uh, clients that have, I am an accident, and they are very accident prone. I mean, that has come up. That's one of the patterns that's shown up. Um, it's all my fault, you know, because I've come along. And so what you, this is, think about this. When mom finds out she's pregnant, she's either going to be really happy or she's going to be unhappy or she, or at least really surprised and there's going to be all kinds of emotions going on. So it's a really, um, it, it's, a, it's a point in time that is just very, very powerful. And the being that is coming into the world uh, you know, it's somehow they're they're able energetically to plug into that because it's just uncanny uh, how we see those conception vows show up in in people's lives. Well, I, I you know I was a psychotherapist for many years, and I totally you know relate to this and helping people through birth trauma, and then re- I was focusing on relationships for a while and seeing the patterns of childhood work on, uh, from Harville Hendricks, how we create, recreate these patterns. So, uh, you know, as, as you're talking and I'm thinking about this, it's like we come in with these wounds or these traumas, but we also come in with the possibility to find the keys to resolve them and step into a greater connection with, with what I would call our soul. 
you know, our true sense of self and our true um, connection to that love. So it's like we set it up in a way, and then we have to find our way through the maze of, of the trauma and the misperceptions and the patterns that are created. And then at the same time, we are also given opportunities to heal and wake up and um, finish the work that, that we put in place, right? Yes, exactly. So David used to call that the school of hard knocks. He said, I, I'm hoping when I, you know, by, by um, putting together uh, the body memory process that um, people don't have to go through what I did because he said that a lot of it he had to sort of stumble through <laughs> to, 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 yeah. know, to figure to figure a lot of things out because uh, he he had a lot of trauma in in his childhood um, just a lot of stuff going on with his with his dad especially so um, yeah it's uh, yeah yeah so it's like those pioneers are the ones that are doing the the, the hard work of you know putting it together, conceptualizing it, understanding it, you know, bringing it into the world, like birthing their special gift into the world so we can take advantage of it in, in its form that, you know, that has been created. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's so special, such a gift he's brought to the world that we now have access to this amazing tool for healing and transformation. And, the, you know, if for everyone listening... We all have to do this work. There, there's no way out of it. If you want your life to be fulfilling, if you want your life to be filled with um, more peace and more love and more health, because all these vows that you were mentioning, Kathy, uh, are having a direct impact on how the body functions and the status of our of our body and how it's working. So health, yeah. if you want your health, you have to do this work. If you're sick with something, it's a vow or part of the process is a vow, right? This this traumatic experience that we've created decisions about how the world is and how you work in it has to be resolved for the energy to flow again. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so, so tell us more about what the body memory process is. Sure. So the binary process is really a, a, a two-pronged um, thing. And I, I actually, uh, and, and sort of a third, um, I, I call it self-discovery, uh, self-healing, and then self-empowerment. Um, so I'll talk about the self-discovery the first. And, uh, and, and you'll see on my website, um, I have it as self-self-self because in order, when, when David Stone was here, we, we had David Stone in the room. It was absolutely amazing. He was extremely intuitive and he could work with a client. And after about, you know, three hours with them, you know, they would have a list of sometimes 20 vows that had been discovered. Um, and so in order to, um, you know, make this available and, uh, you know, have people be able to do this without David Stone, um, uh, we set it up uh, so that it's a uh, it's a it's a self um, a self discovery um, process and and it's not difficult um, and and so uh, on um, uh, what what I have in the course is um, a video that actually will talk you step by step through um, the questions uh, and so there's a, uh, a sort of an uh, if you if you think of um, 
uh, what do you say, it's with data, right? Subjective, uh, subjective data, and there's objective data. So, you know, objective would be the questions that you need to ask, say, mom or any family member that might be available who remembers your birth, you know, what was going on when mom was pregnant, or what was going on during your childhood that can help you work through uh, discovering um, kind of like what were some of the main themes, what are some things that were going on then to help you, uh, you know, figure out, you know, what what the, what the what vows you made. Um, and then the... There's a there's sort of a subjective part, you know, which is what is your body telling you, you know, how to, to listen to your body, and and that's that um, it's an over 60 page uh, body map with the vows, uh, so that when you can you can figure out and it's all connected to the the body uh, the body map is based on the the chakra system, so if everyone's familiar with the you know the seven chakras. Uh, and uh, then the the right side of the body is uh, uh, about um, male issues. The left side is feminine. Anything going on in the front is how I relate to the world, and in the back is how the world relates to me. I'll give you an example, you know, from myself. I would carry uh, really a, a big knot in the left scapula area, and when I was working with David on that, um, we discovered that I had a vow that was about um, my mom, who showed me uh, love rather conditionally. Um, she was really wanted to be even into my adult life, wanted to be right in the middle of everything, and you know, sort of making decisions. And I didn't like that, and so you know, I had um, I had this knot that I carried in in my back because it was left side. It was about how a powerful female was relating to me, and it was between my throat chakra and my heart chakra. So it was about how my mom communicated love to me. And in my experience, it was conditional, um, even though I know that she truly loved me. It was just the way, the way, the way that she chose to, you know, to show it. Um, and so, you know, this is how the a body map can be used to sort of decode, okay, if I know I'm carrying pain and tension or even if there is a chronic disease and it's involving certain parts of my body, um, then I can kind of go from there, uh, get into the body map and be able to, you know, look at uh, vows that other people have had that are associated with that. Um, and they may, you know, you may find something that resonates. There may be something completely new that is uniquely yours because, what we have found is that vows can be as unique as people. <laughs> so um, that's the uh, that's the discovery part is the working through the questions, working through, um, you know, so whatever you can remember. Um, but really there's, you know, that may be mental memory, but that body memory part about, you know, what's, what's, what's my body telling me um, about, you know, and then there's looking at my life. Uh, so, you know, what's, what's going on that, um, I'm not really happy with it. What's going on in my relationships? Because this isn't just about health. This is uh, about how uh, finances show up. Um, so again, it goes back to what, you know what were the, the conversations at home? How did I you know absorb? You know, my parents said the money the, you know money is the root of all evil, and I struggle with money now. Right? This is something that that I took on for myself. Uh, relationship issues. You know, lots of that about. You know, when I yell, there's a vow, when I yell, I get my way. You know, this may be mom or dad, you know, use that as, 
as a way to get attention and now I feel like, you know, this is what I need to do. Um, but that's all, you know, that's all in there and, you know, looking at your life and what's working, what's not working is, is another way to get at that discovery. So that's the discovering part of the body memory process. And then there's a homework. So as David used to say, the, uh, the, um, the good news, see, the bad news is that you made it up and the good news is that you made it up, uh, because, uh, you can actually, you know, create, you can, you can release that, let that go and then create you know, what you want now uh, as the adult. So the homework is based upon emptying the cup, as David would say, uh, the spiritual, the physical, and the mental cup. And if anyone has heard the story of the master who's pouring the cup of tea and the student says, you know, uh, master, I want to tell me everything you know, and the cup overflows, uh, master, my cup is full. Well, so is your mind. I, I can't, I can't teach you anything. Uh, is the idea that we, we, if we try to put something in when there's already something there, uh, it's not going to be, you know, terribly effective. Uh, so, you know, you can put fresh water in a, in a, in a bottle, and if there's something in there that you want to clean out, you know, keep pouring the water in, it's eventually going to get out. Um, but that's going to be a sort of a longer process and a much more effective, um, and relatively quick process is to, is to empty, empty the cup. So the, the emptying the body cup is the disavowals. So if I have a vow, uh, if I, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to die. I say, I disavow. If I don't get out of here, I'm going to die. And I say that two or three times a day for 90 days. So the 90 days is the, the length of time it takes uh, to create a new habit. It has to do with cell regeneration. So you're actually training the new cells for with the new idea. There is a spiritual cup to empty. That's about a forgiveness process. And there is a, uh, um, a mental cup which involves affirmations, but maybe not affirmations as, you know, we've been taught to say, you know, declare, you know, I am a powerful woman, for example. But if I have all this brain chatter going on through all these years of how I've proven that I'm not, and my brain, believe it, you, you know, your brain's going to bring it all up to you. Like, mm-hmm, I've been keeping record on all of that. And as soon as I say, you know, make that affirmative statement, there's going to be, you know, all of these things that come up. Um, and so there is a process to be able to to deal with all of the brain chatter. Um, and so then there's that there's that three pronged um, homework part. Um, and then the the, the self empowerment really comes from that new level of awareness. Uh, we become um, conscious parents if we're a parent or if we interact with children. You know, we're never going to really interact with them the same way. Um, so I I have a little story to tell on myself um, that. You know, my daughter told me, um, you know, it was actually not maybe a couple of months ago, I, I had bought something for her to eat that I was really sure that she was going to want. And it's like, Ma, I just, I don't like it. And it was something that had too much sugar for me. But, and I was like, you know, okay, I'm just going to throw this away now. And, and I was, you know, I was kind of angry. I threw it angrily into the garbage. And, you know, she saw me do that. And I just all of a sudden stopped. And I thought, oh, wow. You know, what kind of message am I giving my daughter? You know, that her, her opinion isn't as important as money. Um, and so if, if she were to end up with a vow, 
um, like what I what I believe you know what I want doesn't matter, uh, my opinion doesn't matter, or something like that. Um, you know, in her adult life, that could play out, you know, in ways that affect her career, her relationships. I mean, it's that you know, it's that that energy that goes out and 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 just you know just sort of keeps on going, and you don't even know how it's going to affect the future, even though it came from something that seemed like it was such a, a small event, but emotional, right? So I had strong emotion about it, threw it in the garbage, but that's okay. I was able to have my awareness in the moment, and I went over and I hugged her, and I did the best damage control that I did that I could do and say, you know what, you were more important than anything, and certainly more important than, than money, and, you know, I want you to always tell me what you like, what you don't like, and, you know, we kind of work that out. So we become, you know, more conscious. We realize how powerful words are. And so now when you have that opportunity to discover your vows and, and release them, now, okay, you know, you're, you're sitting there essentially, think of it as a clean slate. What do I want in my life? And now you know, you know, the power, you're much more aware of the, the power of words, um, and you know, there's there's a lot. The fir- the first book um, went a lot into the different different words like try. Uh, if somebody says, you know, I'll try. Uh, if you start being aware of that word, and if you say to somebody, uh, would you, you know, why don't you meet me for coffee tomorrow at nine? And they say, I'll try. You, you know, I, now I just sort of feel like, oh, they are totally not committed and probably not likely to show up <laughs> uh, because words. You know, have words have power, and there's a there's consensus on them called the dictionary. So you know, that's the word means a certain thing, and it means a certain thing to everyone. So um, that's really the kind of the third um, aspect of the body memory process that you get this new awareness, and you know, going forward in your life. Well, there's a lot lot to unpack there. What you just said, Kathy. I, I want to go back to the very beginning you're talking about that knot in your scapula on the left side. What what happened when you uh, became aware of the vow that was connected to that? Did it did it resolve? Yes. Uh, well, so I did the I did the homework. So I did the disavowal. I did the forgiveness process with my mom, uh, not with her, but on her. And so it was a it was a, a process that I did forgiving my mom. Um, and you know, it, it actually did. Um, it did resolve. I, I didn't. I didn't have that knot in my back anymore. I, I have another one that I, I would like to just tell you, just because this is just so incredibly powerful. I, I was um, born. My my birth was an emergency when my mom was at six months um, gestation. Uh, so she was very distraught, um, and she tried to do a, a home abortion. And uh, so I ended up. Um, being well born, I guess if you call it that, um, at it, under two pounds, uh, and so I ended up in an incubator. Um, I ended up, you know, so when I talk about my parents, they're my adoptive parents, and um, and, I, and so I was in an incubator for a while, and when I was very young, and even into my adulthood, so but especially when I was young, I I was so scared to talk in front of anybody. I I couldn't answer the doctor when I was in school. I didn't want to speak up, um, and even you know into my uh, adulthood, I would just get so terrified of speaking in front of groups. 
And through working with my husband and working on, uh, you know, what was going on there, we came up with the vow, they watch me to see when I'm going to die. And that was about being in an incubator in 1961 with you know, all kinds of probably medical personnel looking at me and probably it thinking and maybe even saying, I don't think she's going to make it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so think about how, you know, if I'm, I'm picking that up and then, you know, it, it's to me, whenever I'm in front of a group of people and I'm getting all that attention on me, just like when I was in the incubator, now, you know, I'm, I'm in a life and death situation. I'm wondering why, you know, I feel like I'm going to die. Like I've got to get it's sort of like a, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to die type of type of situation. And I did the work, and well, you know, now I I talk in front of groups, and uh, I'm you know perfectly you know I'm fine with it. Um, I just I I did the work and released all the energy um, behind uh, behind that vow, which was extremely powerful in my life. Oh, my God, you know, that's one of those birth traumas. I mean, that's a big birth trauma. You know, first of all, not, you know, (laughs) the attempted abortion, so not being wanted and the trauma of that. And then, you know, this little little being coming out and spending time just connected from the world and people, yes, having those thoughts around you. You know, um, know, as you're talking and, uh, and as we, you know, begin to understand how we all carry these limiting belief systems, these vows, that are um, distortions of the reality that we could have, right? Distortions of the reality we could choose. But you can yeah. see that they carry such an emotional charge that it is understandable how if we carry these vows with these emotional charges of fear, anger, unworthiness, unlovableness, how then it can translate into the body showing up with dysfunction, with disease, which imbalances, because we're just bringing this emotional trauma energy constantly into the physical. How can it work? How can it possibly function optimally when you're carrying such constant stress? Yes. Yes, that's that's where Candace uh, Pert's work comes into play. Absolutely. It's that, it's that emotional charge. Absolutely. And And that's why true healing of anything, has to incorporate doing this kind of work of unraveling the, um, the, the, the misperceptions and the traumas, the, the programming that we took on early in life because that is an underlying stress that is constantly being activated in our lives at some point or other. You know, we could have smooth sailing for a while, everything's going just fine, and then we encounter a situation which activates those vows and then the stress is initiated and then we 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 suffer the consequences of the stress that's happening and the the hormones of stress flowing through our body compromising the functioning of the the organs the physiology yes yep absolutely i mean there's no way out but through <laughs> there's no yeah. way out and unless we go through this, and you know, as you were talking, uh, the phrase came that we are uh, meaning-making machines. So we interpret the world and give the world meaning in those first seven years, particularly when they drop deep into the subconscious. So you know, and then and then we have that programming. That's how our how our neurons fire, and that's how we see the world. 
until we can take responsibility and do the healing and, and reprogram ourselves, which is literally reprogramming how our neurons are firing in our brain, the perceptions we hold that creates a different outcome of our reality. You know, we, we can behave differently and we get a different response. Yes. Yes. Um, there's the phenomenal results. I have about uh, 25 detailed case studies of clients and the, the changes in their life after after doing the work. It, it's amazing. Um, the, you know, diseases. Um, I think um, there's uh, there's there's one that comes to mind. Um, I think we called him Frank, um, and he had uh, a, a father who it was it was better to say I don't know than to or to be wrong. And so he had a vow, um, you know, I I will you know I will be quiet, um, I will I will keep my mouth shut, um, and so he had uh, really difficulties at work. Um, and, you know, as an adult, that really wasn't working for him. Um, he also had um, his his. Uh, I think there were a lot of uh, a lot of boys in the family already, and they wanted a girl. Um, and so uh, his mom would call him um, sweetie and sugar and all that until he was until the sister was finally born, and he ended up with. Um, uh, you know, childhood uh, onset diabetes, and Louise Hayes t- uh, talks about that, about um, diabetes and about and about sugar and sweetness and and all of that. Um, and he was a when he did the work, um, he didn't need the he didn't need the uh, the insulin any longer. Um, just you know, you know, phenomenal. Um, and the, another uh, case comes to mind where uh, there was a woman who was in her 40s who seemed to be prematurely aging. Her hair was brittle, her skin was getting wrinkled, and the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And David worked with her, and she realized that she had a vow, I will never live in a house like this, because her parents would argue. And she even remembers um, being in her room and, and looking at, uh, the light under the door and, and actually remembered thinking that she actually went back sort of into that memory. And when she did the work, oh, and I like to tell you why, um, you know, she was prematurely aging was she was in a circumstances where she was not going to be able to leave. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know because she was David's client and I don't know all the details of why, but she just was not able to get, actually get out of the house that she was in where there was that type of discord was going on around her. So it brought up this vow. And and so she needed to um, sort of keep the vow, and so she started prematurely aging and es- essentially killing herself. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, that's, that's one of the more extreme uh, examples that I can recall right now. So with the body memory process, because of the name, body memory process, the way that people begin to access their vows is by looking at what's going on with the body. So the body becomes the communication tool of the thoughts thoughts that we hold, you know, whether how we stand, one shoulder up, one shoulder down, 
um, you know, pains in different areas. Is that uh, is that correct, Kathy? That yes, that's right. Yes, um, and it, you know, it's all in your body. So you know, even if there isn't something that's really visible at the at the time, all of those vows are actually being carried in your body. Yeah, that's so fascinating. Which um, makes it a, um, a a tool. The body becomes a tool then to be able to identify some of these vows because the challenge is always to have awareness of what are those vows, what are those limiting thoughts that we've adopted early in life. So often they're not on the conscious level. We can see some of the frustrating outcomes manifesting in our life, but we don't necessarily have the ability to look at what those vows or those thoughts are. So then the body becomes the vehicle to communicate and give us awareness of those thoughts and those limitations and those vows, as you call them. Yeah, yes, and how many times do people just fight their body, right? There's there's something going on and, you know, there's a pain and they, they – I can understand wanting to make a pain go away. I've had pains that I, like, I want to make the pain go away. Uh, it, it's also important to – to pay attention to what the pain is about, um, get the you know what's what's the message because it's actually you know a message from your body and when you get the message, you don't need the pain any longer. It's kind of what it comes down to. So how do people do this process? Do they need to? Can they do it through your uh, course, your multimedia course? Do they? Are yes. there practitioners? Are people listening are really intrigued and. There, there, I'm, I'm sure there are many who say, "Oh, I'd like, I'd like to to do some healing work in this in this way." What what would you recommend? How do they begin? Yes, so I have um, on my website. There's a, a link you can click to be able to either purchase the course um, or um, to either do it entirely yourself, or you could do it in with coaching um, from me. Um, I have a 20 minute um, free consultation. And um, you could also, so then you could also purchase the course and be able to, you know, talk to me first, do get through the self-discovery and be able to then talk to me again before the homework so that we can go over um, your your whole experience, uh, your, your list of vows, any questions, and to make sure um, that you're clear about the homework. Um, there were apprentices. There were other people doing this work um, back you know, you know, years ago, but I can't say that there's anybody um, right now, even though I would love to find people who um, are willing to do this work on themselves and then be able to do this work with others. Um, that's, you know, one of my dreams. Um, so, but so for now, um, to make this work available, um, I have it in that, in that uh, multimedia course um, form to, to lay it out as clearly as possible um, again, with a, with a step-by-step video for the self-discovery part, and then that uh, over 60-page body map um, with all those, you know, hundreds of vows that have been discovered uh, to be able to look through and, and sort of, met, you know, figure out what's going on with my body, what resonates with, with the vows, or maybe just come up with some, like, it'll just, you'll discover it without even having to look, you know, it may just sort of, you know, jump out or it may be – a lot of times people will actually say their vows. Um, David used to say, if, if, you really, if you really listen to someone 
and he, he distinguished that from listen to. He said if you listen to someone, you kind of pull your own energy in and, and really hear what they're saying, they'll tell you um, their life script, which is another sort of term about a set of vows is a, is a life script. Um, so yes, that's, um, you know, and if, if, if people are not, you know, if they're like, well, I'm not sure about, you know, taking a course right now, I would encourage everyone to, to just, you know, take a look at, at, at your life, you know, take a, take a look, talk to your, talk to mom, you know, talk to family members, uh, you know, just take, just doing that, uh, self-reflection, uh, you know, what the course offers is information and tools. Um, but it would it would be uh, you know exciting for people to just start you know just being aware just you know stepping back and and just thinking about oh wow that actually could mean something if it's where they're carrying tension and maybe taking even just baby steps and then they might be interested in in like oh okay if they if they say hey this is you know this is amazing because I felt that over here and. Um, you know, this this came up for me there, and maybe I want to do a little bit more, and then they could, you know, investigate um, the the course or, you know, doing the full process. Okay, so if people go to your website, which is bodymemoryprocess.com, easy, bodymemoryprocess.com, and they can look at what the course is and what you're offering. And then if they're interested in, in the possibility of investing in the course, they can contact you and have an initial consultation, initial free consultation. Yes. There, um, there, there, there is a, a link from my course to a practitioner directory called heal.me. Um, and so, mm-hmm. but it's all, it's, it's easier to just send, uh, to go to my website, find that link there. And then it'll be very clear of how to, you know, to uh, click the link um, for the course. Um, there, there is a, on the top of my website, there is a slider um, that one of the sliders has, has the course, um, you know, sitting uh, that you can access the court, the course that way. Um, you also can contact me directly, uh, info at bodymemoryprocess.com. I would, I would love to hear um, from people any questions. Oh, great. So that's info. I'll, I'll put this in the in the show notes, too, info at bodymemoryprocess.com so people can contact you. Um, you know, you know this, your, your story, your work, this, this whole journey you're, you have been on is, um, is so empowering to, to listen to, Kathy. I mean, you've taken your husband's work, which he was passionate about, and he has you know, his, he, he's transcended. He's left this amazing healing tool now in its form available for people. And here you are fulfilling that greater mission that he had and bringing so much healing and light into the world. Yes. You just feel humbled, right? To, to understand the gift that you've been given and what you're sharing yes. now. Yes, absolutely. And and, and I know he's helping. <laughs> I say, you know, I know he's watching over us and 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 uh, you know, guiding me in this um, for sure. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's no doubt that he's well pleased and he's there and <laughs> and available to support this 
this work that um, has come through him and now has been passed on to you and and to others. Yes, um, I'd like to mention here too. I, I'm I'm working uh, uh, with this um, with the foster community. Uh, so I did a couple of presentations in June um, to national foster care um, conferences, and uh, I'm also uh, teaching on webinars to various um, local, you know, communities um, to to work with the children in their care uh, to to be able to uncover their beliefs because they're so particularly traumatized, of course. And I, I like to encourage. <laughs> If I, I don't think there's enough uh, mental health resources for the problem. Uh, I think it makes a lot more sense for the people who uh, the, the children trust the most, their caregivers, um, to learn how to do this and be able to, you know, to work with them. Um, because when the children age out of the foster care uh, 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 cycle, they are at risk uh, because of the unhealed trauma uh, for, you know, drug addiction and, and suicides and all, all kinds of things that aren't good. So, um, you know, we're trying to get uh, the, the caregivers to be able to, to learn how to just get the children uh, to, to talk about, you know, what's going on and to be able to uncover those beliefs. And I have a, a process that's geared just for working with children. Um, so I, I think that this could be applied to yeah to help uh, some into some social issues as well. Oh, definitely. Well, we've come to the end of the show, so we have to kind of wind things up. But thanks for sharing that. I, I agree. I think we can help heal the wounds of foster kids. It would just be so meaningful for them and for their lives. Um, well. Uh, listen, uh, <laughs> here we are at the end again. It's been a great conversation, Kathy. People can go to bodymemoryprocess.com, learn more about Kathy's work, learn more about the body memory process and how it may be able to serve you or share it with others. Kathy, thank you so much for being here today and, the, and for the wonderful work you're doing and carrying on this, this mission that your husband brought into the world. We all are very grateful to you for sure. Well, thank you so much. I've so enjoyed being here. Okay. Well, we've come to the end of the Love Code. Thank you for joining me, and uh, I'll be back next week. If you uh, would like to get the archive shows, just go to my website, which is drcherylselman.com, and opt in, and you'll get all of these fantastic conversations. And until next time, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now. <laughs>